Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fucking ears? What the fuckabillies? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Welcome to the show. Father's Day is this Sunday, uh, and I'm not a big one for holidays, certainly not those contrived holidays, but uh, give them a call, will you? Give them a call. Time is running out. Appreciate your family, your friends, and food, and try to do the right thing for other people, for strangers. Be empathetic. Be open-hearted. Don't be a dick. Stay off Twitter as much as possible. Get off of Facebook if you can. Breathe. Go enjoy a flower. Cook some things. Do some cooking. Yeah. Pet a, a cat. That's the list for today. Hold on. Comedy store is calling me. Hello? Hey, buddy. What's going on? Yeah, put me in for Saturday. Both rooms. Thanks, man. That The idea that I had about taking a break from comedy is uh, it doesn't seem to be happening. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's okay. Enjoy life if you can. Try to temper it. Stay involved, do what you can, but don't let it destroy your entire disposition. Is that all right? I got kind of a big show today, so I'm not going not gonna to ramble on too much. I'm going to talk to Jim Florentine, the comedian. I don't know. He just wanted to stop by and, I guess, talk about rock music. So we did that. It was fun. It was, uh, it's all, he's like a metalhead. I'm not quite a metalhead, but we meet somewhere in the middle. And, you know, he's just, he was just hanging out and he wanted to come over. And it's always nice to see Jim. After Jim... Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon are here. Now, they're married, and they have a movie coming out. The Big Sick opens in New York and Los Angeles on June 23rd. It's going to expand on the 30th and throughout July. But this is a big movie. Judd Apatow produced it. It's about their relationship. Now, some of you know Kumail from uh, Silicon Valley, from The Meltdown, I've known him for a long time. He's been on this show before, but I don't know how many of you know that we had sort of a a problem that uh, was actually uh, depicted in season three of Marin, episode one, two, three, four, five, Mad Mark, where I lost my shit 
on Kumail and uh, and Emily at the uh, meltdown here in Los Angeles. I uh, I just snapped and lost my shit. It was not good behavior. It was a few years ago already, but I didn't know if he uh, if we had cleared it up. So there's a little bit of that coming up. Also, Kumail is in uh, is in our book, Waiting for the Punch. It's available now for pre-order wherever you buy books or at wtfpod.com. But uh, but this was a, a, a like kind of old school WTF in that I had to open with an apology. And um, and this is for years ago, man. And I wanted to make sure we were cool. But I do remember being a little jacked up on caffeine. I remember going to the Nerd Melt to do the Meltdown show. And uh, what happened, I don't know if I described this to you, is that, you know, it was ho- it's hosted by Jonah and Kumail. And, uh, you know, I was waiting to go on. I had to be somewhere else. And they were going on and on. And I was losing my shit. And I got up on stage and they got off. And I took a few shots, a few parting shots at the two of them. And then I got off. And Kumail said, you know, you can't make fun of me on my show. And I think I said, you fucking baby. What a fucking baby, you fuck. And then I threw a shit fit. And I said I wasn't coming back. That's some grown-up shit right there. Dave Anthony witnessed it. It It was not a shining moment for me. And I held on to it for a long time. And then when I decided to make it a storyline on Marin, I asked Kumail if he would play himself. And I had an intention there. You know, and I, and I and, you know, well, I'll get into that with him and you'll hear it. And Emily, his wife, has always been nice to me. She's written on a few shows and she used to run the Meltdown show and we've always gotten along. So I felt bad that I behaved that way in front of her. But um, I'm not sure if I'm not. I, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. But I, I think I behave badly. Whew. What, I, you can't, I'm, what, what, there's still something wrong with me people so jim florentine east coast fella funny guy and uh and, and again he just wanted to come by and i'm and i'm always happy to catch up with people i like uh his special a simple man is available on his website jimflorentine.com he's at the improv in pittsburgh this weekend and you can check his website for where he'll be in july and august uh, this is me and Jim Florentine, uh, b- primarily talking about... Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Music. Music. 
Jim, what are you, what are you, what are you doing out here? What, what brings you to Los Angeles, home of heavy metal? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's got to be a metal related, is it? Uh, no, I just got, well, I'm doing this uh, benefit thing uh, Saturday. MS benefit me, Bill Burr, and Craig Gass are hosting. A bunch of rock stars go up, they jam. Yeah, it's a Richard Pryor oh, okay. presents ben, uh, MS thing. But I just come out to do stand up, doing the improv, and you know my management's out here. Yeah, yeah, and I get away from New Jersey for a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, New Jersey's pretty great, but you got to leave sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, look, I got a kid. I'm at, I'm making sandwiches in the morning. Uh, you know, I'm what? helping with his homework. It's like I, you know, can you do that? Can uh, you help with homework? I barely. I mean, he's in kindergarten. I'm having problems. <laughs> I haven't been in school in 30 years. Like maybe I don't know, maybe 35, 30, 35 years, 33 years. So I have no clue. I've been, you know, as your comic, you just, you know, yeah, I know, you're out of that world. Oh yeah, I was out of that world when I was in that world. I don't. If I had a kid and I had to go do algebra, there's no fucking way. I got an E in algebra. They made up a grade for me. <laughs> There's a charitable thing. Right. But uh, I can't, I don't know how parents do it. I talk, I just talked to somebody about that recently. I mean, I stunk. There's, I'd, I'd be no help. No, I, I, I just barely got by. I, I did whatever I had to do to get by. And now uh, at kindergarten, the stuff is sent home like this isn't done right. Like he'll say, he's six. He's like, dad, well, how do you do this? I go, I don't know. Really? So you don't know. What you could know, it possibly? Some of the stuff is. Some of the stuff. But now, what was challenging? Well, they haven't even got into the, the, the whole uh, that Common Core math. You yeah. know, where they make it complicated to get to the problem. I haven't yeah. dealt with that yet. Right. Which I will be soon. Right. Um, What's the kindergarten level that's challenging? It's I'm just you know following directions. I'm not going to follow directions. <laughs> you know, as a comic, we just do. We all we just march to our own beat. I don't yeah. listen to anybody. I'm you my mean, own boss. The steps. There's like you know you got to read the first thing and then the next thing to get the other thing. I don't read anything when I get something new i just kind of i'm like i don't want sure, to look wing this it. pamphlet yeah you just find the the quick start yeah exactly like where is it just give me the how do i turn it on and then i'll figure it out along the way so oh my god so but maybe this is a golden opportunity for you to learn these things finally do you uh, ever look at it that way no, maybe it's time no 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 i don't care what do i, I does, does the mom know what to do uh i don't know there's not a lot of communication there but he sent he spends time with her right yeah 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 we, yeah, we split it but so. you don't know if She's got a handle yeah, well, on Yeah, I have them earlier in the week because, you know, as a comic, I work on a weekend. Right. So I got them most of the, the homework week. <laughs> I got them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the Thursday. So I got to deal with it. You're going to have to put some money aside for a tutor there, Jim. No, I know. I just had some new neighbors move in that are um, oh, yeah? that will definitely help. Yes, oh, yeah? right next door. So I told they them. Seem, they seem smart to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're Indian. Oh, so that means they're smart automatically? Yeah, I, I told them, as soon as I met him, I'm like, oh, that's great that you moved here because I got a son on how to do his homework, so we're going to be over here all the time. And they were laughing like, oh, no problem. That was, that was your hello? That was my hello, pretty much. I'm like, hey, Thank that, God. that's my that's my firewood. It, you know, it's on your property, yeah. and I'm glad you're here because I got a six-year-old, and I don't know how to do his homework. Oh, yeah, and feel free to take as much firewood as you need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, well that, I, I'm glad they laughed. No, no, they were, they were to totally cool about it, yeah. What were, part of Jersey you live? I'm in like uh like Central Jersey, about 45 minutes outside. It's near the Stress Factory Comedy Club. Oh yeah, you know what by New, New Brunswick. Brunswick. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in that area. Yeah, I remember you told me because I was born in New Jersey. Some, some something draws me to Jersey sometimes mentally. Like as I get older, I, I feel like you know I need to go go back somewhere. I need right. to know what my home is. I grew up in New Mexico, but like I'm born in Jersey. My parents are from Jersey. I'm you know Jersey genetics. Yeah, and there's something about it that like kind of makes me want to go back. But then I really think about it. And I'm like, is that where you want to retire? Jersey? Nah, you probably don't. <laughs> you probably don't. You I was just out there. I, I talked to Springsteen. I, I interviewed Springsteen out down the shore. 
Yeah, and it was kind of cool to be back in Jersey because I went to Asbury Park as a kid. My grandparents lived in an apartment building right on the fucking boardwalk practically back in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that nice. <laughs> no, it's nice now. They, they really fixed it up, Asbury. Asbury's booming. Really? Yeah, they're building high-rises, hotels. they got great restaurants. No kidding. Yeah, it was, I mean, Springsteen basically saved that city. They were ready to tear down the Stone Pony, Convention Hall, all of that stuff, but they made it landmarks. Convention Hall. Yeah, Convention Hall still there, where I used to go see concerts back in the day. I mean, it's a great little town, and they got great restaurants now. I remember that was the first place I had soft-shell crabs. That's what I remember. Right. I don't know why. My grandfather liked them, and I thought it was odd. Right. Eating the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, probably. And so, when you come out here... Like who are these rock? Who are the rock guys on tonight? Do you get to hang out with your heroes or what? Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of the guys that live out here. Yeah, like you know uh, Rudy Sarzo, who played with you know Ozzy and White Snake and yeah. Quiet Riot. I know Tom Morello. I'm a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. Yeah, I, I've talked to him years ago. He's he, great, and man. he's an activist guy. You know, oh yeah, he's involved totally. with yeah, shit. Yeah. I should get him in here at some point. No, he's amazing, and you know he played with Springsteen for a while for like I three know. four years. It's an odd match. Yeah, it's an odd match. Like, he's one of those guys who's like, see, I've gone the, the, the completely other direction, but I was always sort of in this direction. I, I like I like straight-ahead guitar. I, you know, I barely like to know there are pedals involved. Right. Like, I like to hear the amp right up there. I, I don't like any much compression. I, don't, I, like, I need it to sound like a guitar. Yeah. Um, that's just the way I am. But that's not the metal sensibility, generally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. But I, I always like a good guitar solo too, right? You know, we missed them in, in the, you know two thousand late nineties with the new, with the new metal. There was no guitar solos. No like, where solo. are all the solos at? Yeah. Even Metallica put a record out where there was no guitar solos. In anger, I think that right. I talked to Hetfield about that, but I think that uh, that Rick Rubin produced ACDC album didn't even have many solos. Uh, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, they, they, you know, a little one with Angus, but Angus is. I mean, I it's so good. It's, it's 61 years old. I saw him twice on this last tour. It's you phenomenal. did without yeah. Malcolm? Yeah, without Malcolm and without without uh, Brian Johnson. I saw him with Axel. Axel How was that? Stuff. It was amazing. Axel, Phil, the, the Bon Scott stuff, he nailed. I bet. And they went back deep in their catalog. You know, really? stuff that Brian didn't sing with with. Uh, like what? Uh, like uh, what are they riff raff? No shit. They did Problem Child. Oh, that's which good. I haven't done in a long time with Axel. Yeah, they do at the Re Rock. Yeah, oh yeah, and that's when Angus goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just like a twenty-five minute solo. Uh, that's his like guitar on the floor and oh, sixty-one years old. Sixty-one. Did you see, did you see him when uh, Axel was in the chair because of his leg? No, he, he was, was out of the chair by then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Up and moving. Yeah, I saw that with Guns N' Roses when he was in the chair. He okay. was in the throne. How was that? It was amazing. See, that's the weird thing. Like, I don't go to concerts hardly at all, and I, I probably should, but um, whatever the politics of why people do whatever, whatever people were saying about Axel you know, playing with ACDC or whether he needs money or he doesn't need money or whatever the fuck it is, it's still got to be good. He's a great singer. Yeah, I mean, they were, he's the one who called them, basically. They were, they were auditioning singers. Brian, you know, had some hearing problems. Right, hear bad, right? He yeah, a- like he, one here, he can't hear out of one, and the other one, he was like 70 or 80% deaf, and this doctor basically said, look, if you do any more live shows, you're done. You got, you got no hearing left. Right, right. So they didn't need to, they were trying out different singers, and Axel was one to call because he's a huge ACDC fan. He said, hey, if you guys need help, let me know. And I go, yeah, come down and audition. They didn't even think about him. Yeah. He went down there and, you know. That was just for the tour. Yeah, for the tour. So who knows what's going to happen. They finished like the last 11, 12 dates. That they, How many dates did Axel do with them? Ele- I think 12. Oh, man. And, and we did some stuff over in Europe, too. So he probably did 20 total. And, and Malcolm's done, right? Malcolm's got dementia. I mean, at 61 years old or 60 or something like that. Yeah, he's in a home. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
That's too bad. And Malcolm ran the band, basically. Malcolm was the brains of the band. So he's so. playing guitar over there. His nephew, Stevie Young. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's another young brother. Uh-huh. Who's, and he filled in for Malcolm. Malcolm had some like alcohol problems on a tour like in 92. Years ago, yeah. Yeah, so he, he got off the tour for like 30 days and Stevie filled in for him. So, so he holds his own? He holds his own, yeah. Well, you know, rock star behavior in any sort of uh, trend, I don't know what you'd call it, but that, you know, becomes, everyone's under constant surveillance by just everybody. You, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you have a party. And all it takes is one guy or one chick to tweet something, and the party's over. Yeah. And then it's, uh, you know, it's tabloid news. You can't, there's there's no, it's not even Big Brother. It's not even law enforcement. It's that asshole. Who was that asshole sitting in the corner with his phone that fucked everything up? Yeah. A lot of times they, they make you check your phone in at the door. At the parties? Like, yeah, or? at the parties. So put them at the, leave them at the door. Is that true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because they don't want anyone taking pictures if... You know, I say Axel's got a couple of girls hanging all over him. This guy snapping pictures. He's going to sell to TMZ. He'll be on there the next day. So you leave him at the Prince. What are one of the Harry or something like that was in Vegas, and he just let these girls take pictures. It was a big scandal a couple of years ago. I think he I was remember naked, that. jumping on a bed. They were doing all drugs and shit like that. And he was just letting these oh, crazy yeah. Vegas chicks just take pictures of him. And next thing you know, they're all over the place. I, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess the party's over. I, when I had my bachelor party, I had it in my friend's basement. Yeah. He, he has a he has a uh, band. I, I hired a Black Sabbath tribute band to play. Yeah. And with like four strippers. And this was probably like seven years ago. Uh-huh. I, I made an announcement. I go, let's pretend this is 1975. Nobody has phones. Nobody's going on Facebook. Nobody's tweeting. And nobody's calling. Nobody's texting their wives, their girlfriends. Put your phones away. Put them upstairs. Let's just have a good time. <laughs> I made that speech and it was- It, it was, worked out? Yeah, it worked out. Yeah. And nobody remembers anything. Nobody remembers anything. There was nothing documented. <laughs> I'm like, this is 1975. We don't even know if it happened. <laughs> exactly. It was that good a party. Yeah, I don't want you. I got my wife's texting me. She wants to know what's going on. None of that. It was perfect. Have you been playing a lot? I don't play. My son does. Your six-year-old does? Yeah. How's he doing with it? He's doing great. Oh. He's already sang on the Stone Pony on stage in front of 300 people. No kidding. He's an animal. Yeah. He's fearless. And he's playing electric? Or? He's, doing, he's, he's singing. He's playing a little guitar, drums. He's good on drums. But he likes making up his own songs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah My he's... nephew's got a band, so he goes up at the end. He sings Let the Bodies Hit the Floor, this drowning pool song. And he goes up there. I'll, I'll show you a video when we're done. It's really funny. He's an animal. <laughs> That's a six-year-old song. Yeah, and then and he loves the stone, so he yeah. loves Mick. He loves the way Mick moves. Oh, does he? Yeah, we go to music lessons every Monday, and like, there's always a video on of a sub DVD, and it was an old Stones video. And he was watching, he's just laughing the way Mick moves. So then he goes in. Yeah, he goes, I got a song, and then he's dancing he's, like Mick. Oh my god! He takes his shirt off too. Oh, at he six. has to rip his shirt. Yeah, he has to. He's like, it's cooler with my shirt. Oh, uh, you, you got the right kid, huh? I took him to Foo Fighters. He goes, Dad, I'm taking my shirt off. It's cooler if I watch it without my shirt. I go, Of course. <laughs> he's got his shirt off. Yeah. Oh, uh, you lucked out on that one oh huh? yeah it's great yeah i got him into sabbath and yeah. yeah you got the right kid yeah it's awesome it's nice when it when a parent like can bond that directly because a lot of parents i think they get those kids who are like where did this one come from yeah what, what how did why does he like this stuff who, who is this kid no because even in, in the womb i remember when uh my wife was pregnant at the time um she would be i'd be on the road she goes i don't feel i'm kicking i don't know i don't you know she was all worried and I'm like, just put some heavy metal on, some yeah. like double bass, yeah. some Metallica, something like that. And she put it on, all of a sudden he start kicking. I'm like, this kid's in the music already. In the womb, he was kicking like a double r- bass in the womb. Is that true? Yeah, oh yeah, I swear to God. I go, put Metallica on, put it up to your stomach. <laughs> put Enter Sandman on, and he would just start kicking away like he was just hanging, waiting for the, the music to kick in. What'd you think of that new Metallica? I love it. I did too, and I'm not a Metallica guy. It's I, great. I had to get up to speed because I had Hetfield in here. 
And, you know, I didn't grow up loving it, but, you know, I, I mean, I got it kind of, but so I kind of went through the stuff and then like, I listened to that last one, I put it on in there and I'm like, this is solid. This is a good record. It's great. You know, just that these guys are in the mid fifties, right. Still writing great music. Yeah. Too, which, you know, a lot of the people gave up on Metallic after the Black Album because they cut their hair. Like, every guy with long hair got pissed when some guy cut their hair. I had long hair. <laughs> yeah. You were getting mad. It's like, well, I got to go to court. Usually, uh, <laughs> when, you had, when you had a court date, you had to cut your Because even the ponytail wouldn't do. So I remember cutting it because I had to go to court. And, yeah. and everyone says, so you do. But then when they cut it, like, like oh, you Metallica, sold out. You sold out. You cut your hair. I'm like, I don't care that they have short hair. Yeah, listen to the music, you yeah. idiots. But that's that. So after that, people don't like oh, There's a whole fan base that doesn't like him after just about the black hair album. well and the black album right. got really commercial right you know so they felt like they sold out but this record is great do you know them all do you know Lars? i knew them you know when it, growing up in new jersey in old bridge new jersey was um there was a record label called megaforce records yeah this guy had a little shop in a flea market and he would sell heavy import heavy metal records and i was a little kid on friday when i got my paycheck i'd go down there all of us would go down there and the guy goes listen to this band listen to this band and he had this metallica cassette yeah no life to leather he goes i'm gonna sign these guys these guys are gonna this big thing i've heard this i'm like holy shit so then he brought metallica when they were nothing they didn't even have a record deal brought them to new jersey and they were staying at the guy's house yeah in the middle of the neighborhood and they right. were just drinking all his booze he just had a baby <laughs> and he would call me he goes can you get these guys out of my house take them to the mall so i'm driving metallica <laughs> around and my mom's zephyr at 17 years old and they were you know because like they weren't showering they were still they drank their champagne like from you know his wedding night they were saving that <laughs> yeah. they just cracked it open one night like get these guys out of here <laughs> so I would drive them around. So I was hanging with them, and they would play these little clubs. Like, yeah, you know, two, three nights a week. So I, I knew those guys right from the beginning. And you still in touch with them? Yeah, but they don't remember. Like I brought it up to Lars. He's like, Yeah, yeah, I th think so. Right, right. Yeah, it's just like you know, when a comic, you know, you don't go up to a comic. I saw you 15 years ago at the Funny Bone in St. Louis. And you did and we, a thing, and we had a beer afterwards. Yeah, and yeah, you said yeah. that my, you know, yeah. my girlfriend was hot. Or I'm like, yeah, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think sure, I remember. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I have a hard time remembering shit that happened a year ago. I know. So I didn't even want to go. I did bring it up to him at one point, but I wasn't. Do you That's remember? too bad. I was that kid. That would be probably one of a series of kids that yeah. you know, drove them around in some town. Well, then, because there was older dudes in the neighborhood, so he then they had a house. I was still living with my parents, and then they would stay over there. Yeah. My friend, who I'm still friends with to this day, Metallica, was living at his house. Yeah. And James Heffield one night got so drunk, he puked in his bathroom. Yeah. And he was trying to sell a house. This was like three years ago. And it was on the market for like a year and a half, and he was just talking. And that guy said he liked heavy metal. He goes, he goes Metallica used to stay at this house. He goes, James Heffield threw up in that bathroom. He goes, he threw it right he goes, yup, he threw him up, and the guy bought the house. Come on. I swear to God. I swear to God. You put a little plaque there? <laughs> He's like, that's how he sold it. <laughs> when he told the guy, he goes, James Hatfield threw up in his bathroom right here. That was it. And he bought that guy. He's like, I'll, I'll take it. That is, that's a, a small, <laughs> like, what a lucky break, huh? It was. Yeah, just brought it up, and oh, who knew? <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. So when you come out, do you go, do you go see shows? Uh, sometimes I'll see if there's something out here. I'll go show, but I like to do sets. I like to do the comedy store. And, oh yeah. Hey, yeah, I go there a lot. I yeah, see I, over there. I've been, I've, I've been on the road, so I don't like. Sometimes I just not work for a few days. Is that all right? No, I, I do that too. My son, I take like early in the week off. I'm just like, I got at this point. It's like I can't, I can't obsess over it. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, you go out and you're doing hour shows if you're headlining hour plus or whatever. And, you know, if you do four or five of those and you come home and you got three days or even five days, you're like, fuck it. Am I really going to be out of shape in five days? No, I know. Is it all going to go away in five fucking days? Well, when you're younger, that's all you obsess about. You can't miss, you know, if you miss two or three nights, you feel like you're well, off. I think two weeks, sometimes you get a little, you yeah. know, there's a... <laughs> 
There definitely is. I mean, I did six shows last weekend in yeah. New York City. It's like I didn't want to go out Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday to do sets. So the right. next set I'll do is tomorrow. It'll right. be like five days. But I was like, enough. I did six. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. I can't. Right. Well, yeah, and it'll come. It'll come back. But there's that weird moment where if you if you get away, and I've never really gotten away long enough for it to happen, but two weeks, or if you do, you know if you're only doing short sets and then you got to go headline, then it's sort of like fuck. Do, can I do that? No, I know. <laughs> I know. That that's always a problem because you do 15 minute sets. Yeah, you're tight and you know you and you know you want to kill so you don't integrate as much new shit as you want and you can only really fucking spread out until you and when you get the hour. And then like you know if you do too, too many of those sets and you haven't done an hour in a while you're like I don't fucking know if I have an hour anymore. I lucky I have, you know, the iPhone in the notes section. I keep oh, my whole full set in there. Yeah. So I have to look at it because I'm so used to doing the, the short sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like tomorrow at the improv I got to do a 45 to an hour. So I haven't done that in, in probably 3 weeks. Yeah. A full set like that. Right. So I got to go back and look at the notes. Okay, this is how I got to do it. Right. How does it flow? Where's the direction? Where yeah. do I end? What's the middle? What's the end and what's the beginning? What's the beginning? What's yeah, the opening? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. But, but I love the process. I still love it to this. I've been doing it since what? Like 91. I still love yeah, just me too. coming up with new jokes and working on them and record them and listen them back and the only time you can do it is doing those hours though like you know like a lot of people think you know i'm not a guy that like you know if, if i'm doing 15 minute sets occasionally i'll do a new joke or two but to really find out if something can live on stage you got to do it in the middle of the big set yeah absolutely right yeah and then if, it, if, if you've been doing it long enough if it falls flat you could be like well fuck it <laughs> yeah no i i like i'm i'm at the point where i just did a full set i just filmed something so now i'm just going to these little restaurants wherever any little shitty place to do 45 minutes or an hour like we can only pay you a hundred dollars to headline we don't have a, i'm like that's fine yeah i just need really to you're gonna play out. here i'm like yeah i'm like i'll do it yeah. Yeah, yeah and i'm doing this place like every three weeks by my house it's a, a restaurant there's a little place up where they have little, little weddings oh they, they got a little room yeah a little room and they do comedy to like once a month so i'm doing like every three weeks I'm that's what sit. yeah it's the way to go i'm like just give me a hundred bucks I don't even care about the money, and I'm yeah. just going to do work out. Do, yeah, that's so a, it's great. Yeah, I used to do that here at a, a little theater. Like I just a five dollar ticket. I do, I donated to the theater. Tell my fans and just like no expectations. I'm like, right. it's five bucks. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to work through some shit. If you want right. to watch that, you're welcome. But I can't guarantee anything. Yeah, <laughs> like Colin Quinn's working on a new set. And he's doing it at the Peppermint Lounge, which is right by the you know, yeah in the Village Underground. And I saw him. Last week or a couple of weeks ago, he had his notebook out. He was just looking at his notebook. Just him like doing a long stand. set? Yeah, doing a long set. He's working on a whole That's new- That's the only way to do it. Yeah. Like, and I don't know why we didn't think of that. On a Tuesday night, right. five bucks. That's what I did. Tuesday nights, yeah. you know, for a couple months, you know, hour, two hours, whatever, just to riff through shit. And I like I guess guys used to just do it on the road, but I think that's one of the reasons a lot of guys didn't ever build new material. You really got to just find a place where you can stretch out, where there's no risk. Yeah. Of of anyone getting mad, you know, lay it out at the beginning. Yeah, no, because people do get mad. If sure, you, you know. Well, if they pay thirty bucks, forty bucks, and you come up half baked, which I'll do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I know I'll save myself eventually. But Carlin, we used to do that. Carlin would go out and do it. You know, just work on the material in small theaters. You know, for a year and then and then go record it. So he was doing it where he was taking a chance because I people for would go a cheap see ticket, him though. I don't know. I can't remember, but I know people would go see him. They go, man, he was terrible. It's like he was working on, like he just was disoriented up there and he was all over the place. He wasn't getting a lot of laughs. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's working on a new set, but he would do it in the smaller theaters. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's the only way to do it. So what do you got? What do you got going on? Is there, you got a, a special out for a while now, right? Yeah. I put one out in December called The Simple Man. Yeah. And That's, what are you going to, what are you working on recording now? Uh, you know, just working on a whole new set. 
you know, I just uh, recorded with a plan. It. Yeah, well, I recorded. I, I I did another special I filmed in uh, January. It'll probably come out later in the year. What was the other one on iTunes? Yeah, it's on iTunes, yeah, Amazon, yeah. wherever you you know. So you just self released it. Yeah, I just self released it. How's it doing? It's doing great. Great. You know what I mean? It's it's at this day and age, if you could do it and you could finance it yourself and do it cheap. Yeah. You know all the royalties that are coming in through. I mean, sound exchange. His, and, right. Oh, sound exchange. <laughs> That's the greatest thing in the world. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't. I I got more play. I don't know how much play I'm getting, but you do to get those quarterly checks. And you're yeah. Like, what? March 31st. Yeah. The new one's coming. Great. It helps when you pay your taxes on April yeah. 15th. I just like the first. What was your experience? The first, like the first time I got notified by them, they'd already been around for like six or seven years. Yeah. And they got this notification. I'm like, this sounds like bullshit. What is this? And I checked it through, and it's a real thing. So that first check was like a lot of money because it was like for six years, and I'm like what? That's fucking amazing. Yeah, because then they went back to like 2004, basically, and right. went back and and you know, and then if you own your stuff, like I put these prank call CDs out back in like 2001 to 2008. Yeah, well, they weren't even on a label. Yeah. I just put them out and whatever, and you know, between the internet and Sirius and XM playing it and stuff like that, they went back and got. If you own the master, you got a royalty off of that too. So that payout good? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. Who would have thought? Free money. Yeah. yeah. So every like three, four months. So even if you put out, you know, you put out a an hour of material, even if you don't really make it back through whatever avenue, through iTunes, whatever like that, you're going to get it in the royalties. I, I'm hearing rumors that the, the eventually like the Spotify's and yeah. the Pandora. will go through Sound Exchange. And YouTube. Well, they go through it, but they pay like pennies. Right, right. It's, it's But eventually they're going to have to start paying like the real rate that yeah. like, Sirius is paying. Like they're, they're hold, Sirius held off on that for a long time too. That's where we're getting those checks. When they merged, Sirius and XM merged, yeah. party of merger deal is like you got to start paying royalties. So now you just pass it along to the consumer. You pay 150 extra a month. Right. Anyone? Does they got thirty one million subscribers still? Yeah, and it's just growing and growing. So they pay everyone pays one hundred fifty a month to pay the royalties for the artists. Is it growing and growing? Are you on the air over there regular? Yeah, I do a show on Ozzy's Boneyard, a weekly uh, radio show. And how's that do for you? It does great. I get to plug my gigs. They pay me shit. But you go I get, in the city to do it? No, I do it right from my house. Oh, really? Yeah. And then you just upload? Yeah, it? I just uploaded. I just do five, five or six breaks in a two-hour show. I What's pick my own set list. It's called. It's on Ozzy's Boneyard. It's yeah. on the Hard Rock Channel. Yeah. It's called Metal Midgets. So it's, you just host a music show? I host a music show, two hours. I do five, six breaks. I pick up my own songs. I just go through my iPod. I'm like, oh. I'm you ever have people over the house with you doing it? Yeah, once in a while, I'll do like I'll, I'll go to a concert. I'll do them backstage. They'll help me co-host it. Yeah, yeah, I'll do yeah. That, something like that. But I pretty much do them by myself. I just pick. I go to you know the ACDC power track, and I go. I think I'm going to play. Give me a bullet. Oh, there's every- not one bad song that Bon Scott on record that they ever did. It's like there's it's not just, one bad song. It's astounding. It's just fucking great. It's amazing. Dirty yeah. Deeds done. They're cheap. I mean, yeah. there's nothing ain't no fun waiting around to be a millionaire it's just so it's hilarious uh, and sad that like right like the highway to hell album that was that was the one that was gonna really put him over the top i know and then he just fucking dies but back in black that's a good record that's unbelievable that they could pull that off they got bigger as a band yeah i, I kind of lost him after that a little bit i listened to it because dino gets me into it and i i listened to the 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 brian johnson records but i don't for some reason i'm really wired for the bon scott records yeah absolutely but brian, look brian had big shoes to fill and did a great job sure no i, I like yeah uh, i like i like a lot of those records i like back in black a lot and i listen to some of the other ones back in black are just a masterpiece but, the, but just the the thin sort of like the raw production of those bon scott records before back in black 
Zodiac, all those other ones. It's just like it's just so pure. No, I know. I mean, you know, uh, Love Hungry Man. Night I love Prowler. that song. Night Prowler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah, or, just uh, yeah, beating around the bush. Walk all over touch you. Touch too much. Touch too much. <laughs> so good. All right, we could do this all day. It's good seeing you, Jim. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Good seeing you too. Jim Florentine, again, jimflorentine.com for the tour dates. Pittsburgh this weekend at the Improv. So, Kumail Nanjiani and uh, Emily Gordon are going to be here in a second. And and we're okay. Everything's okay. What I do want to say is the movie is uh, a special movie. It's, it's, it's an emotional movie. It's funny. But it's the story is so unique that you know... It had to have been true for the most part, as I find out. And uh, it was well-performed, well-written and funny. And, uh, and and I squirted out a few tears, which I, you know, which I can do during a commercial. But but that, that that's not the point. I, I enjoyed the movie, which made it even better to talk to Kamel and Emily. Because like, I booked them before I saw the movie and it would be hard for me to, you know what I'm saying. It's a good movie. Uh, and uh, it's called The Big Sick. And it opens in New York and Los Angeles on June 23rd, expands to more cities on June 30th and throughout July. And now this is me talking to them. I watched the Q&A thing, the video. Yeah. I don't remember any A of single it. thing, yeah. It happened With, five days ago. Yeah. With you guys? We did a thing uh, in New York that Judd filmed, like a, a live show. Where was that? Uh, the PlayStation Theater in New York. So Which, you guys were just in New York? Yeah. Doing press? Yeah. With Judd? Uh, no, he was not there. He did not go to that Judd show. Judd didn't go with us. Judd yeah. set us up on a tour because <laughs> he was like, I want to do, we'll do it. We'll all do stand-up. I was like, okay, great. And then Judd's like, I'm not going. He said, I, he's <laughs> like, I've got a special coming out. And so I'm doing all these venues in like the next couple of months. So I'm not going with you. And we were like, oh, that's oh, right. Okay. He was all nervous about his special. Yeah. He still is. Very much. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad he's finally gotten back into stand-up and doing it, what he always wanted to do. Yeah, no, it he took really, him this long. He really does. That is I know, all he I wants know. to do. Like, when he first started coming back around, you know, I, there was part of me sort of like, really, man? You're going to take up time? You're going to have this, this, too? Yeah, You're you going to do this, right. too? But, you know, he's really into it, and he works hard, and, and he's got some great jokes. He oh, gives a shit. He actually gives like, a shit. It's not like, you know, sometimes somebody becomes a famous actor, and then they yeah. go to stand-up. It's no. not like that. No, he's he's been a great joke writer forever. So, Emily Kumail, is that right? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know it. Uh, I don't know if we're, cl- if we're good, but uh, I, I think that maybe okay. I should probably effectively uh, apologize for my, uh, <laughs> my rude behavior a few years ago. This is how we're starting? Oh, yeah. I think we're good. Wait, I, but been... did, did, did I see you, though? I feel like we just made up on Twitter. Did we actually have a moment where... I ran into you at the comedy store a few months ago, not okay. too long ago, and you showed me around, and you were just like, are we good? And I was like, yeah, okay. we're good. All right. Well, I, you know, I'll apologize twice. <laughs> I don't know that I apologized to Emily, because she saw the most of it. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. And, and then and then I wanted to, my, my way of apologizing was going to have you play yourself on my show, which you declined. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That was my big idea. No, like, uh, okay, and if you I know what? Bring, first off, let me bring up. I yeah. was given a tentative offer to play myself on yeah. the show that then was just disappeared and was rescinded. You're, it was better off. <laughs> 
because it wasn't like there was like we, you run into a problem at IFC budgets where that character didn't end up talking yeah. and oddly the extra that played you would made everyone a little uncomfortable oh in what way what, what was her deal I don't know she was an extra she was, you a, do, you don't, she was a bit extra oh, yeah she was overdoing it a little bit yeah. but uh, yeah I, okay so everything's I, good just so you know yeah uh, this is the first time that I truly understood that that was meant as like a conciliatory gesture yeah because here's the thing I'm, I'm learning through Emily how to communicate better I'm trying yeah sometimes I'll like I'll mean something but to the other person it doesn't mean that it reads the opposite sometimes and so yeah. to me it, I didn't understand that that's what it was that's what it was meant to be until just now so well I, yeah I, it was a roundabout way I mean there's I no reason why it should be clear that I wanted you to relive me blowing up at you <laughs> for for getting mad at me for making fun of you on your show. I, I didn't enter that night with a good attitude, but... So, oh, that's good. So you never watched the guy playing you. Oh, I've seen it. It wasn't bad, was it? Yeah, he did a good job. He did a pretty good job. <laughs> Fuck that guy. You and me are cool, but that guy? And then I had a guy playing Jonah. Yeah. And then there was a bit. There was a minute there where Jonah might... He was going to be in the audience that we were going to... Huh. Oh, that's him. very meta. Yeah, it, did, it didn't work out. <laughs> Well, uh, I heard about it because they tell you there's a guy, Ali Maji, who's on uh, Silicon Valley. He yeah. was like, he pulled me aside of a table read and he was like, hey, man, do you and Mark Maron have anything? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I just read these sides for Kumar Sanjiani hosting the burn down. The burn down. That's great. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that might be based on me. <laughs> I always think that I make myself look like the big idiot, but that's not the same as apologizing. Oh, like, see, it didn't turn out. It didn't turn out well for me in that episode. Like, <laughs> I didn't. True, you were the you were the bad guy. Yeah, I didn't look good. Yeah, yeah. So that was it. But uh, you uh, you claim that you couldn't do it because of HBO. That is absolutely true. It's true. They are it, they are not great about. It's that, still though. very difficult to be able to do anything, which well, is great. It's tough to complain. It's a great yeah, job. no, the, I've been watching Silicon Valley, and it's I it's sporadically. I've seen a couple episodes. You're always funny. Thank you, Mark. But I watched the uh, the movie, The Big Sick. Oh, you, oh, you saw, saw the movie? Why wouldn't I see the movie? I Why know. would I talk to you <laughs> if I'm not going to, like, you don't think I would do that? You think I'd just have you over oh, and I just, like, sort of, <laughs> hey, what's up, you guys? Well, Why are you here? A lot of the, like, comedy podcasts we've been doing of, like, people we know, they, yeah. people are like, oh, you, these guys don't need to see the movie. They know them. People so it's, that's why it's surprising. No, I watched the movie. Oh. How did you see it? I got oh, people are in charge of this. You got a link. I got a link. Well, I always wonder if how people are watching it. Is it on a laptop? No, no, no. We I put it on the link and then I put it on the Apple TV. So I watched it on a relatively big screen. Yeah. I saw it as a film. It did say, uh, you know, it had the the weird property, bra yeah. yeah, watermark on it mm -hmm. for Mark Marin. But I gotta say, it was one of those experiences where I didn't like. How well do I know you? You guys were always nice to me in New York. I think you gave me a ride home once from Bell House, and I know you from everywhere else. And it's always been good. But I didn't know the story. And the weird thing about the movie, aside from it was very well done and very well written, and I was very moved, and you know I was tearing up and stuff. But I didn't know that story. And and also the fact is is that what makes it so unique is that there's no way you can make it up. <laughs> exactly. Right. We were That's, always like, yeah. they, cause you know, we, we talked with Judd. Judd was like, should we put it, put on a true, based on a true story? And we were like, I feel like this is a movie that when you watch it, even if you don't know it's a true story, you'd yeah. be like, I feel like this happened to somebody. You'd be like, why would someone write this? Well, it's so specific. <laughs> so random yeah. and specific. But it, it's yeah. so specific that there's no way. And like, it, it seems like even the stuff, like, cause you both wrote it. Yeah. 
And it seems like even the stuff that happened in the relationship was so specific that it had to have happened, most of it. Probably. Yeah, a lot right? of it. Yeah, a took, lot of it, yeah. We took a lot of it from our lives. I mean, and then, you know, what Judd and Mike, the director, did was like, all right, now it's a thing on its own. You've poured... You've poured yourself out onto all these pages. Now let's make it a movie. Right. So there are, you know, it's all from our things, but all the, I think, you Most know. Most of the major stuff is us, but then they would advise us on like, this is a great way to crank up the drama, crank up the stakes here. Who's the worst kind of person for Kamal to be stuck with here? So they were really great about helping us fictionalize it, but... Yeah, for the most part, it's a lot of it is pretty close to home. Well, it was interesting because there are moments where, you know, there's that one huge moment where, you know, they decide not to move her. Yeah. And then you're on stage, but you don't know how it's going to go. You think like, oh, he won for a second. You think yeah. like, well, they listen to him. And then the other thing happens and then becomes terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was mean, that, was that, but that must have been one of those times where, like, you had to make a decision on how to make that moment land differently to, to, to just, like, you, you expect one thing and then it's not that. Yeah. Well, we, what we <laughs> wanted to sort of do with that was the weird thing about this was when Emily was sick, those eight days. The real she, Emily. The, the real Emily. Emily. This yeah. one right here. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> she comes out of it. Spoiler alert. When she's in a coma for eight days, those days, it's, it's, it is a true emotional roller coaster. It's like great news, terrible news, unthinkably awful news. Congratulations. Oh, no, it didn't work. It's, it's like every day, there's like six different things. And it's like a pinball. It's like completely different. You never know what, what's going to happen. So well, I think, I guess for, for people who are listening who might want to see the movie, like the, 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 the issue is that you guys are now married mm -hmm. and you've been for a long time. 10 years, yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and uh, this is your first real foray into big show business. That's very true. <laughs> well, you did a little producing on The Meltdown. Well, she is, wrote for... Uh, I did, I've written for a few TV shows, but it's my first time uh, writing a movie. Or, what, oh, wait, what did you write for? I wrote for the Carmichael show for uh, another period and for crashing what and you, why'd you stop doing those uh all of those honestly because of this movie all of every i started writing for the carmichael show and then i had to leave uh to go film this movie because like when i first met you you're like i'm gonna be working at a shelter or something <laughs> 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 yeah i i guess i was a therapist for many years and uh and then kind of was like trying to figure out i was writing uh like personal essays for women on yeah. like websites and stuff and right. then uh, I'm like Jane or something. Yeah, a lot yeah, of that yeah. stuff, and then and then it's kind of slowly morphed into this. Yeah. But was it like? Well, let's be honest. Now that we're all here and we're open, was it? Was, that's the only reason you stay with him, right? You're like, this is my ticket. I gotta ride this <laughs> this roller coaster. Very few people. This people, rocket ship. I don't know what do you call it. Very few people who know us see me as the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Turned out you were. <laughs> I was, Who we, knew? We, when we first got to LA, we were at a party, uh, like one of these industry parties, and someone asked me, uh, in regards to Camille, when did you get on board? Right, like, right. Like he yeah. was like uh, some political affiliate. And I was like, oh, this town is disgusting and I hate everything in it. Uh, <laughs> and look at me now. <laughs> oh, now you're going to love it. Now it's going to be nothing but love. After the premiere of this movie, you're like, this is the best town ever. Are you kidding? <laughs> But, I still get angry a lot. <laughs> yeah, how can you not? Yeah. Somebody told me yesterday, I forget the name of the producer. He was like, he gave someone an advice. He's like, whenever you get pictures taken, stand all the way on the right, 
because that way you're first in the captions. Oh, oh God, right that's the name. so gross. I was like, that is perfect Hollywood. It's, I still can't figure out, like I've spent my entire, like I never think I look good on TV or in pictures or anything. And the you know, last couple of years, I've just been trying to kind of, you know, get a, a face that works. <laughs> Like, you know, like a smile that works. You and like, Camille have that in common. What do you mean get a face that You works? hate like, how you oh, well, you, When you're on a press line yeah. or something and they're going like, over here, over here, yeah. over here. You just like, you know, <laughs> I, what, what? how do I land on a face? I'm trying to do the smize. I try and do the it's smize. Tyra, what is that? Somebody t- Someone Tyra texted Banks. that or just tweeted that. smile with your eyes because I don't like how my face looks when I smile. So I'm just trying to look not unhappy while not I squint smiling. a little. Yeah, <laughs> I squint a little because, like, I've I've noticed in photographs sometimes I'm a little open, a little too uh, open. So I've, I've, that can make you look psychotic. I I've some, I have family members open. that have that issue, the, open the thing? too open thing. It's yeah. like it makes you look a little over medicated. It's right. kind of not it, great. Yeah, and you don't even do it on purpose. Not at all. No, it's very it's very easy to do. I find I laugh in photos because I think I most of the good photos of me I'm laughing. So yeah. now in photo shoots I'm like. <laughs> Oh, that's good. It's awful. It's so like it, they're they're supposed to be posed, and now every photo is like, why is he just doing that with his eyes? And she seems to be laughing. Exactly. At that's that's what we do. So let's go beat for beat on this, like without spoiling anything. So the the this characterization of your family, a traditional Pakistani family, Pakistani family in the states, but adhering to the rules of the culture and of the religion. That that's all pretty true. Was it? Was it? Yeah, like you, they they would not have let you marry anybody outside of the religion or the culture. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was the plan since I was a little kid. Like since I was a little kid, my mom was like, um, "I'm gonna find a wife for you." Because my mom said she was like, "I didn't even graduate high school." She's like, "All I have is you, you guys, and all I look forward to the, yeah. the next thing I have to look forward to in my life is finding you a wife." So it's a lot of pressure. So that process that's captured in the film of actually auditioning wives or having them come over was a w- relatively real thing? Uh, not for me, but it was for my cousin. When I was a kid, I was in Pakistan and I had a cousin and she sort of was staying at our house yeah. doing these. Yeah. So it would every, you know, couple times a week, these like families would come and it's changed now a little bit. Now they actually... You'll meet the girl and then you sort of actually hang out on your own. But that's a oh, they've, pr- they've opened it up a little. Yeah. yeah. And the internet is now yeah. more involved, I would say. Oh, yeah. There's all these websites that are basically like Muslim dating, but to get married yeah. websites. But when, okay, so, and how did it really play out in the way that it, it happened in the movie where you, you kind of had this weird meeting at a comedy club? That, she, that is one thing that's exactly accurate is that I heckled him at a show in Chicago. And that's how and that's you how met. We met. Mm-hmm. And then you had you had this great thing going and then like he, you know he he finds out that you were married, is that true? Uh yeah. 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 Uh he did find out that I was uh, pretty recently divorced, yeah. Recently divorced. Yeah. And then you find out that he can't marry you. Yep. That's exactly right. And you break up and within days you get sick. Well, well this is different. The this one thing is that, one of the things. And this is one of the things that we cranked up. What's more awkward than having a casual boyfriend by your bedside when you're really sick is having your ex-boyfriend by your bedside. So right. in reality, we both knew this information about each other and we were just kind of like, well, let's keep going. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, okay. But we actually hadn't broken up. Oh, but, but it was it was weird. It was weird. It was slightly weird because you I, hadn't met his family. Oh Lord, no! They didn't know I existed when he oh, when they would call. No. He would be like, "You have to be quiet," and I would just be like, "This is." Such and a you bad hadn't idea. met hers either. I'd met her parents once uh, for like 
Oh, like an hour. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. just met them very briefly once. Yeah. And was the characterization of your parents, like your mom's like this Southern... No, not at all. My parents are pretty different than the actress because when you get Holly Hunter to play your mom, like you're yeah. going to let Holly Hunter be Holly Hunter. She was great, she but was you great. are from I'm North- from North Carolina, um, and both my parents are very sweet, kind of stoic Southern people. Oh, okay, and so it's just more interesting to have them be Ray Romano and Holly Hunter bringing all their sort like, of fun like a stuff. neurotic kind yeah. of uh, bad dad yeah. jokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but they were great. They were really I always good. like when Ray acts serious. He's the best, <gasps> isn't he? Great. Yeah, he's so good. He's, uh, you know what I love about him always there's like a melancholy to him he's always like very very hard on himself even on his show it was like he just if if, he felt so sad oh no like if you get him going if you let him be hard on himself it's like he he knows where he knows where that is it's kind of oddly comforting as successful as he is he's still like yeah. not altogether pleased with like how he's doing things or how he's handling things. Well, he likes to act. I mean, he likes yeah. to, to challenge himself that yeah. way, you know? And they were both great. And your parent, your family was hilarious. Yeah, well, my dad is a, a, a played by a Bollywood legend. So he is? What's his name? We brought in a ringer. You did? <laughs> uh, his name's Anupam Kher. Yeah. Our movie was his 500th film. Five oh. zero zero. But to most American audiences, be like, who's the new guy? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, that happens when people in interviews how'd are like- how find him? How'd yeah. you find him? Like, I didn't like discover him while he was cutting my hair or anything. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's the Robert De Niro of India. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've known that guy all your life? Yeah. yeah I grew up. So, and when we started writing, I, from the beginning, I was like, I wanted to be him. I think he'd be great. He kind of looks like my dad. Yeah. And then I asked my dad, who do you want to play you? And he said, Anupam Kher. So. He has a joke problem. Yeah, he didn't think we would yeah. yeah. But and so it was, you know, and we and then I showed Judd and Barry and Mike the yeah. other I showed him clips of him and I was like, I think it should be him and they all were like great, but they were like, We'll we'll make him an offer, but we have to set a three day limit because he's not gonna do it and we're just gonna waste time. I got a phone call from him that day from oh, India. Really? <laughs> yeah, really? he just called me directly. Oh really? Yeah. And he was like, I'm in? Well he called He had it. notes. Yeah, he called with notes. Uh-huh. He was like, uh, this, this, this. So Emily and I quickly like rewrote, sent it to him that day. And then he called and was like, I didn't even read it. I just wanted to know that you would you would do something. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a good move. Like, they're like, how hard are they going to like work to get were, me? Were they good notes? Uh, they were. They actually made the character much better. He's really, really... Yeah. 500 movies in, he knows what he's <laughs> he doing. Has a... He's finally figured it out. You know what's cool? Like that... Oh, I don't know. This is kind of a spoiler. What? Mm. Well, the scene where, for instance, there's a scene in the movie where I tell them about Emily. Yeah. And originally, to me, that scene was always like, I sort of take my stand, I tell them everything, and it's supposed to be this like, here we go, this is my point of view. Yeah. He, the day before he started shooting, he was like, it feels weird that you say all this and I don't say anything. He's like, yeah. I Only wanna... the mom had lines at one point. Right. Yeah, he didn't he was like, lines. I want to say what I want to say. And Emily was like, what would you want to say? And he says, I want to say that you know, uh, you're not giving. A, you you still have to care about your family, your right, friends. Right, right. Uh, the American dream doesn't mean you don't give a shit about anybody else. Right. And yeah, so, he, and he. We talked for like 20 minutes, and then I wrote two different versions: a long version and a short version. He was like, "I'm doing the long version," and I was like, "Let's do this." Yeah. And that's what you see. <laughs> and uh, and I think that changes the movie so much because you see both our perspectives. And honestly, writing the movie, writing my parents perspective helped me understand it more and we're closer and I hadn't 
uh, anticipated that. That you would, oh, that you would have a new revelation mm-hmm. about your a new current, understanding about your them. current relationship or what happened then? Yeah, well, because here's what it is. You know, I always saw my parents as my parents. I was like, oh, they're done. They're the people they'll always be. But in writing this and then in talking to them, they're changing and growing and evolving. And they're in America. And it's they love it here because it is a lot safer. Well, the last few months have been <laughs> a yeah. little tricky. Yeah. But... To them, I see the struggle or, or or the work they have to put in to try and protect their their cultural identity, right. which I think is their identity. And how do you be who you are in a culture that's very different? In a culture where, uh, in a big way, what you are it is demonized and undervalued. Yeah, right. So so I see all that with them now, and I understand, you know, that they're dealing with shit the same way that we all are. I think you also stop seeing them as bad guys. Not that you ever fully saw them as bad guys, but like they're not like these people trying to keep you from doing what you wanted to do. They've they've got their reasons for stuff, and I think that maybe wasn't clear to you until we were working on this. Right, and you didn't really deal too much with the you know the the demonization except in that quick exchange with Ray. Which is that an old bit of yours? No, it's not. That's a great joke. Uh, it, thank you. I, honestly, I keep joking. We made the entire movie so that Camille would have an excuse to make that joke because he couldn't make it on stage as himself ever. He couldn't. No. <laughs> no. But you had it in the bag. You were sort of like no, it was around. It was just a line that we had. It's and- just like a, a room bit. Yeah, like a life bit. It was great. That's yeah. a, it. Was a, a standout joke. <laughs> thank you, Mark. But wait, but you you suggested that uh, has there been problems in the last few months for your for you or your family uh, now that the cultural climate has gotten uh, uh, worse and more heightened? I th- I talked to my mom a lot. Where about, are they? Uh, they're in New Jersey. Oh, okay, they've been here about ten years, and to them, when they came to America, they were like, it was such a relief because yeah. you know for them being there, it's. Very dangerous, a lot of crime, all that stuff. It's also a wonderful place, Pakistan. So I, don't, I don't mean to cast it as right. this hellhole. As this hellhole, I really don't. But it is a lot more stressful. Yeah, a lot of corruption. So when they came here and they saw like everything works so well, you always have electricity, the yeah. water is clean, you don't got to pay somebody off to get a driver's license. You know, cops right. can't just stop you for the most part. Yeah. So to them, they were like, "Oh, finally, we made it. We got here. This is great." And then when this was happening, my mom was like, where else are we going to go? She was like, we already came here. It's like hard to talk about. She's like, we already came here. She's like, I don't know. We're getting old. Where where are we going to run to next? Right. I was like, mom, I really, I don't think you'll have to run. I think it'll be okay. But they are, you know, it's, it's kind of shaken her world a little more than just, it's not just that she's like, oh, I feel unsafe. Her reality has changed because to her, America was like this. This one, yeah, it was like a safe. Right, that democracy could take such a, a profoundly uh, disconcerting turn. turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the on the flip side, she and I are text a lot more than we used to, and she's gotten a lot more. Um, she a lot of people have reached out to her and uh-huh. to your family in general to kind of let them know like this isn't us. I promise, like we're everything's okay. And I think she was like that. That was lovely to see that like in the midst of all support. everything that's happening, there's like support there. Um, in her neighborhood and in her, with her friends. Yeah. And, oh, and like, great. you know, from like my family was like calling to apologize. And it's like, oh, wow. What a, what a weird like. <laughs> Sorry for what our country yeah, did. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's also like, that's a weird thing to do too. But it's like, I, I hope, I hope there's like some silver linings in there somewhere of like feeling like you have a good support system. But yeah. Well, I think that like a movie like this, though, also you know, is something that 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 celebrates what you know America should be. 
I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. And and that, you know, the struggles of it, like they're, you know, it's it's sort of menacing that when, you know, when your family says that you're not going to be, that we're going to disown you if you do this. I don't know how much that was played for dramatic effect. I mean, that was the understanding my whole life. And I know people from my family mm. who that has happened to. They, and it's stuck it's it's interesting. Only very recently have those people who are like a generation above me have started sort of getting back in contact. And I think they've reconnected um, and become... Uh, After marrying people outside of the religion. And having and the, kids and stuff. Oh, uh-huh. And, yeah. And, it, and it's been, it took like decades and decades. And now they've, I think... People are getting older and they're like, this is my brother. They're gotta... reevaluating, yeah, yeah. the decisions they've made. It's not that thing they're, that my family is getting less strict. It's just like you get old and you're like, I miss my brother. I want to I talk to him. Well, that's a, a funny thing a therapist said to me years ago was that because uh, I was having trouble with my parents, uh, is he said, you can train your parents. Yeah. And, and I'm like, <laughs> really? And, and, I, and he goes, yeah, you, you you don't have to talk to your parents. And and the, the thing is, is that eventually they'll want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Are we there yet? <laughs> With my parents? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Too much. Too much. <laughs> but that was years ago. But it was a very sort of uh, insightful thing. Yeah. Is that, you know, they can call the shots up to a degree. But at what you get to a point, which you did in the movie, where you're like, I you can think of it however you're going to think of it. But you're still my family and I'll see you later. Yeah. I, well, and like, I'm a grown up. And now yeah. we're going to. You're going to have to reckon with me yeah. as an adult now. Yeah, we're going to have to negotiate yeah. this. Which I started doing with my parents when I was about 15. So they're unfortunately hardcore, like, trained that, like, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do and you're going to have to be okay with it. Right. And it worked out all right. Yeah, it worked out great. Well, the negotiation thing is interesting because what, what, what we're negotiating with, not everything has to be part of your relationship with your parents. There are certain things that you disagree on or whatever it is that yeah. you're like, you know what? I'm just going to take this out of our relationship and it's just not going to be how we relate to each right, other. Right. So for a lot of the uh, stuff that we disagree on, I feel like we didn't we haven't discussed it, but it feels like we've both sort of taken taken certain things off the table. Which right. Just put it in a tub of It's like how some people don't talk about politics. Yeah, I think a lot of families have experienced that right. now, like going home and like being like, we if we can are going to get along, we're going to not be able to talk right. about politics. Right. Yeah. So your parents ultimately their love for you transcended the the adherence to tradition. Yeah, I think it really helped them that they were here, so they yeah. were kind of cut off from the rest of the family. Like, oh, there was no outside, there was no pressure, you know, like uh, familial pressure. There's not as much pressure, right? Yeah, because I remember the way that they would talk about the people who had married outside, mm -hmm. and I was like, I would never want to bring that on my parents because it's pretty vicious. I will say that in real life, when I told uh, when I told them about Emily, it was. A similar situation where Emily was very, very sick and she was still in the coma, didn't know what was going to happen. So I, when I told them in real life, my mom was like very concerned about Emily and right. was like, oh, yeah. is she, is she going to be okay? And would like sort of check up on her. And then when Emily became okay, that's when she got really angry. <laughs> So, so she Good had mom. A, she 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 had a heart. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. You know, doesn't want anyone to be in pain or yeah. Or, or but sick. now that we're out of the woods, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get rid of her. And she also understood that you know, if anything, it's my fault. It's not Emily's fault. So she's never em, never true. blamed Emily for anything. Right, you know? right. Was able to separate 
her disappointed with me from the person that is Emily. Well, yeah, I thought I, I thought the whole like that the whole idea of developing a relationship with with her parents in the film, yeah, because of this dire situation, and 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 then adding the fact that they knew that you guys had broken up, and then how that evolved. Uh, that yeah, I'd never seen that before. <laughs> You know, um, that, yeah, that's an interesting situation. And I do think it's true, and we don't really talk about when you do fall in love with someone, to a certain extent, you kind of have to, like, court their family, too, and that ha- that's a relationship of its own. Yeah. And not that it always affects, you know, the relationship you have with the person, but it is something we all have to contend with. Right. Um, and I hadn't, yeah, you don't really see that in movies a lot. Who was yeah. the woman that played you? Zoe Kazan. Yeah, she's good. She's, she's great. great. Yeah, that she's was a great. great job. You did a good job. <laughs> You know, uh, Kurt did a good job. <laughs> Kurt Bronler, Isn't Bo, he great? Uh, Bo Burnham, Ad Bryant is great in it. Yep. Yeah, Bo was real good. What made you cast Bo? Uh, that, that was, was Judd. Yeah, and uh, Bo is a friend of ours, and we're fans of it. Yeah. But he was one of the first people that Judd was like, it should be because Judd has worked with Bo before a few times <clears> and is <throat> a fan of his, and was like, you know, put Bo in. Bo should be one of your friends. So he was the first one we cast. Uh, of that group because we know we wanted three people. And Judd was the executive producer, correct? But producer, you, yeah. but you, but he, the producer, yeah. But he was hands on in that you know you showed him drafts and he had notes. And- Absolutely. For about three years, every couple of months, we would take him a draft and he would uh, kind of give us that notes. long, huh? Yeah. And and then we would go <laughs> off, and a few months later, we would bring back another draft, and yeah, it was uh, it was an arduous process for sure. Oh wow! He put you through the ringer in the best way, like it made it way better. And I thought uh, that your mom was great. Your brother was funny. Yeah. You know, all the supporting roles were really good. Even the the couple of the few women that were coming and going. Yeah, yeah. a lot well, of those girls are really really funny um, comedians. Also. Oh yeah? yeah, Bella Laval, who's the who's the girl who's like featured most in the movie. The one you walked to home. Yeah, yeah she's. Uh, amazing yeah. she's like uh, w- we were doing that scene and we were like oh you're gonna be like a huge huge behind star. the monitor I was like maybe he should end up with this girl and we should just rewrite <laughs> the movie in, uh, in and, life or? <laughs> well no <laughs> uh, and Mitra Johari is also uh, she's one of the girls there's a lot of really really funny women that kind of come through that uh, I'm glad they all got little moments here's yeah. what I learned auditioning these people there yeah. are so many fucking great actors I it's, know it's, and it's they're tough. all here oh yeah, yeah. and yeah. in New York we shot this in New York so in New York you also have acted, a- access to all these like legendary Broadway actors oh they'll come in yeah it's so wild yeah. to have them in there and yeah. they're just like tremendous yeah 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 like the guy who plays the um, Montreal comedy oh Booker yeah who is that guy Seamus Jeremy Seamus yeah. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. He's, he's, what, what was his name in the movie Oh, it's Bob Dalavan yeah. is the name of the right, movie. Right. We kept saying, it's got to be like a Bob Balaban type. So, <laughs> so gradually like, he became you Bob Dalavan. You couldn't get Dalavan. Bob? You couldn't get Balaban? We don't even know if we went out to Bob for that. I think no. we were like, but what's in our brains, we kept going, the Bob Balaban guy. <laughs> but right. yeah, Jeremy Seamus is like an amazing yeah. Broadway actor, and it's such a small part, but you really feel... Yeah, yeah, he was you great. F- you feel that guy, you know? And I remember when we were in Chicago and the Montreal or Aspen bookers would come and like judge you and say when this they like little lectures and stuff when they come and give like classes we wanted to show with that was generally like you know all all movie Hollywood movies are always about like follow your dream do it you can succeed so we wanted to have the Kurt character whose name is Chris in the movie be the guy that like doesn't make the move doesn't do it well you had two of those guys you had the the Joe guy yeah 
Highsmith. Sam Highsmith. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, he had that one punch, the one hook, right? Yeah. People, people say, say Sam. Sam. Yeah. Now Kurt Brunner wrote like ten minutes of material for that guy to do as that character. Oh, and really? Only like thirty seconds of it makes it into the movie. That was fun. Yeah, that all rang pretty true. And, and actually, that moment where you tell him to come to New York, he's like, "No, I'm, I'm good." I'm yeah, like, you know those guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, from Chicago, there's a lot of guys where you're like, "Oh, you." So funny, just never. Yeah, never. every every city has them. You're not you're not exactly clear why they don't do it, but you know, in retrospect, you you think like it might not have been the right thing for them to do it. Totally, it could have oh, killed 100%. them. Hundred percent, it could have yeah. killed them. And uh, yeah, some of those guys are comedy is just the me- drinking is a more important thing, and comedy is just like the thing that they say that they're doing. But really, it's sure. like making sure they can go and drink every night and have and friends you can do that and in have a city. social circle Absolutely. and be known in a yeah. little world. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I've heard you talk about this on here, but when you're in another city and you're like, oh, this is the legendary guy. You gotta yeah, yeah, see oh, him, yeah, this yeah, guy. And then yeah, you yeah, see yeah. him and you're like, this that's guy. The guy? Yeah. <laughs> that's the guy. Right. Maybe he was better back in. There. <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, there's a couple of those guys where they had their time, you know, yeah. in the eighties or the whatever. 90s, sure, like early nineties. Sure. Yeah. And you can kind of see it, but you know, it's it, like a sparkle there. I, I appreciate, you know, I respect him. It's a, it's it's all very heartbreaking. You it know, is. you guys seem to be avoiding it currently, <laughs> <laughs> but there's no shortage of it. But you, I think you're out of the woods. <laughs> oh, uh, for now, never out of the woods. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess not. Depends are, what your ex- expectations are. Ultimately, yeah, the what woods are eternal. There are always going to be woods. That, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Always in the woods. I don't, I don't always understand why people keep working once they've had success. <laughs> but uh, you know, I yeah, you do. You you wouldn't stop doing this. You would. Well, this is very specific. You know, this is like easy. I just walked you through my house, and you know, <laughs> you made this, me a great cup of coffee. I made you a good cup of coffee, and it's my social life. It's really my functioning social life, and and you know, it's just me and my partner. And we, you know, we. This could be the only thing I do if I want. So no, this stays. But you know, the the kind of like you know the compulsion to do a new hour every year, and that you know, like oh, I better get up three times this week. I'd like to. I'd, I'd like to think I I wouldn't have to do that. But well, I don't. why don't you not do it? You I'm going to try. You're going to try to not do it just for a week or two. Just. <laughs> You can already see you talking yourself down from it. Well, no, because like I just spent three, four months mm-hmm. on the road. I taped mm-hmm. a special a couple weeks ago for Netflix, and you know, and I've got this show premiering. And there's part of me that's sort of like, I want to take the time to figure out what the fuck I want to say next. Because sometimes you get into that new hour either because you got to do a show or uh-huh. whatever, and it's not. It doesn't happen organically. You're sort of like, fuck. I got to get this together. I'm going to do it anyways, but I'd like to see what it feels like to do it on my own time again. Well, because if I think if you're working a bunch, yeah. you don't have the life material to then write yeah, new stuff. Like you're not yeah. interesting enough to write new material, right. but they still you're still expected to. And right. I think that's when you see real shit hours from people sometimes. Well, yeah, because they want to keep it going. You yeah. get a window of opportunity to make the money. Because you know, you're hot. At, yeah, at a certain level yeah. of stand-up or you're getting the, you know, you're getting the deals. So how how did you, uh, how did you pick Mike Showalter um, to well, direct it? Yeah, well, uh, my first job was he had a show on Comedy Central called Michael and Michael and yeah, Issues. Yeah, And I wrote for that Oh, show. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael and we've, we've just known him for years and then we saw... Uh, hello, my name is Doris. We saw an early with Sally Fields. Yeah, was that was that all him? Was that David Wayne and him? No, no that it was, was all. It was him. all Michael. Yeah, and when I saw that movie, I think we both had the same reaction of like, oh, Mike would be great at this because it's got such a lovely. It's really respectful to the character, but also like lets the character be funny in a way that's self-deprecating. But it, it never the tone is so great, and it goes from being sad and sweet to being really funny. I just thought it was so great, and I was like, oh, he can handle the weirdness of this movie and this story. 
Um, it's not always so easy to shoot comedy and to shoot comedy clubs, and I thought it came out pretty good. Yeah, That's well, true. well, the one thing we did was we never wanted to present. This is the trap I see like um, some shows get into where they want to present the stand up as being like really good stand up, right? And then you watch it. First of all, stand up so hard to translate to TV anyway, or or to a screen. So you see it, and you know, there's been I don't want to name the shows, but where you're like, oh, this is an amazing sketch, and you watch, and you're like. That's not that funny. Yeah. Like so, within the show, they're saying it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's supposed to be like genius writing and you watch and you're like, it's not that good. So so with our thing, we just wanted to present the stand-up as it was and never present it as like, this is good or this is bad. Like, no, this is just some of it. I liked it because like if you've been doing this long enough, there are types. And, you know, they're, you, they were very familiar you know, to me, just imposture. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like even, even when you just saw like Bo choosing to sit down, yeah, you know, and do me basically, <laughs> and then <laughs> I was like, that's my thing. I sit down and lurch. <laughs> but uh, but like when even when you just see Kurt like doing the pigeon bit, like very physical, yeah. right? But like that's a type. And also, I was happy that you know the back room felt organic, and then just the the Sam guy. You just knew that guy. You didn't even hear all his jokes. You can barely yeah. hear any of them. Yeah. But just by you mentioning like he's doing another Sam joke or whatever. But the the coming unhinged on stage thing, I don't think a lot of people know that that really happens. It, it happens. It, oh, it does. And it doesn't Ooh. happen as much as it used to because people are nervous about... Filming. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But like, you know, people used to like <laughs> not necessarily emotionally coming unglued and breaking down, but certainly anger and that kind of stuff was a lot more prevalent when I was younger. I just did. people losing it because you what that's where you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. When I, everyone's watching you and you're like, I got all this pressure on me. Yeah, and fuck it. Let that valve, yeah, let yeah. That valve go. I have bombed beautifully in some very important moments. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Right. That I, I remember reading like when I was before before I started doing stand up, I was reading books about stand up yeah. and they were like to talk about it. I won't name the comedian, but they were like, This comedian had a very important showcase and just had a horrific bomb and it like that shit hurts your career. I, I remember when it was 2009 or something when I did Bonnaroo. I've only done oh. it once. I won't go back to that. Thing. I had one of those where still to this day, <laughs> oh, yeah. if I look in comments, yeah. something like uh -huh. previous to this movie, someone will be like, I saw him have the most horrific bomb at Bonnaroo. Like, yeah, it was pretty intense. But, you know, it's like you know that Bonnaroo situation, <clears throat> though, because Rocky will set it up like it's great. It's air conditioned. It's a great. <laughs> it's the best situation for a shitty rock festival. And it may be a good rock festival, but you can't leave the grounds. Mm -hmm. It's hot as fuck. People are just coming into the air-conditioned comedy tent to relax. And it's the middle of the day. Everything is stacked against you other than air conditioning. Yes. And, and then yes, people come in to fall asleep. Right. They're there for a nap. And yeah. like I did a set there, and you know, I knew exactly what was going on, and I just wanted it to be over. But I think sometimes you enter those situations believing what the booker tells you, and you're like, oh, it's gonna be great. And uh -huh. then within 30 seconds, you're like, this is not great at all. No. And I'm fighting for my life 45 seconds. And not because they're hostile, they're just not. They're, they're sleeping. Well, these guys were hostile. They started booing me. <laughs> oh, and, no. uh, well, the problem, I think you hit it, is like sometimes in these situations, the, the, the trap is to try and win them over. Yeah. That's well, what you did. You, you, you just <laughs> want to say the words and get off stage. Get out. Just don't embarrass Looking yourself. Looking at the watch. I'm not even going to finish that bit. <laughs> I did uh, my time. It was a show with Robert Smigel. It was like a triumph show I was oh. on. So it was. I think it was me, Amy Schumer, Smigel. Soon, I think. Was but, anyone doing well? 
Nobody no. was doing well, but right. nobody did as awful as I did. And there were three shows. And after that show, Smigel was like, I'm going to put you up at the end of the show. <laughs> I was like, I get it. I fully understand. But you, the selling point always used to be like, don't you want to go to Bonnaroo? And like, I always was sold on that. But then I started to realize, like, you know, if I wanted to go, I'd just I go. just go. Yeah. yeah and you know? also, you don't want to go. You don't really. Like, Who come wants? on, you're going to hang out with a bunch of comics. I'm like, I can do that here. And yeah. by the way, in a trailer, because they, they like the green room for the comics was like a trailer. And oh. I was like, we're literally all just crazy crammed into a trailer with one tiny bathroom. Oh, or you had to use the fucking honey pots, which I can't oh, stand. God. No, thank you. No, yeah. thank you. The best one was always bumper shoots. The only one mm-hmm. that's the, the shows good. were good. The shows, good. the shows were good, but the concert's good. It's manageable. You can leave and you're in a city. You can walk around and see bands and like the headliners at an, a you're nice little stadium. Mud. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, Bonnaroo was just oh. like you couldn't get out. Like it's like, what are we gonna do all day? It's like, well, the van's not leaving. Oh fuck. That's yeah. right, and the van only leaves like a couple times a day. Oh, you got like, it's like Saigon. Yeah, it just, <laughs> just, and people are getting drunker and drunker. Well, that being said, we had, a, mud. we had a great time. That being said, we did have a very fun did time. Did we? I had a great time. I didn't have to do stand up. <laughs> yeah, I like, remember awesome. that, was that always first, makes a difference. It does. Yeah, that was the first time I hung out with Thune and we became friends there. I guess that's the good thing that came yeah, out of it. With Nick? Mm-hmm. How's he doing? Great. Yeah, as far as we know. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, look, I think, and, and Showalter did a good job. You, you know, I've talked to him many times. We've had our ups and downs. But what's, I your, what's your ups and downs with him? Well, I think at different points in his life, you know, um, it just it, we, we didn't match up. You know, you guys are both crackly guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, but did you have a thing against like the state guys, like these guys? I did, sure. Sort of yeah, because in. yeah, sure. Yeah, because I'm that age, you know, and I, you know, when they sort of infiltrated the stand-up scene, I was like. <laughs> the fuck we got to deal with these guys what are and they doing we, we, we were doing luna at the time and then they'd show up as stand-ups all of a sudden they all decided they were stand-ups you know oh, and then and they, they were, put on a show didn't they have a stella live show that was in new york yeah they'd have me on that occasionally yeah. but i resented them for <laughs> then too and me and mike i don't think michael ian black and i are, have ever been completely uh recovered from whatever it is we do to each other i watched i i listened to an episode of you guys together and it was really it was like tennis it was uh oh wait the live one or the one-on-one thing i think it was the one-on-one thing. yeah we did all right we're okay i don't engage much anymore but show walter like you know he was he's a difficult guy he used to be more so but then all of a sudden like you know he gets sobered up he's got a family mm-hmm. and you know people get older just like your parents like you're talking about eventually like what do you what do you what's the grudge yeah yeah you know what is it worth holding on to no matter what these are the people you've known for decades now and and you know know them you know it's weird even if you don't talk to them like i had that realization recently that you know there's people that like i've known some of these guys for like what 25 years a little bit but like i saw a roommate of mine who uh you know from college who i hadn't seen in like 15 years and you don't never know you know, and I saw him and it was like, it was right there. It was not, there was no distance, mm-hmm. but there are those people. And then there are people that you see and you're like, I don't fucking think I ever knew you. Yeah. Who the fuck are you? What? Like we're struggling to get through one conversation. Right. Yeah. Like how do we, we, but like most of the people that I know from comedy, like I, I you know, I know enough. You, you know what I yeah. mean? Like I don't ever feel like, holy shit. I'm always pleasantly surprised. I'm, I'm rarely like, oh my God, you're a monster. <laughs> that thing is weird. What you were just saying, like I hadn't, you know, so I came here and I had a lot of my family I hadn't seen in like 15 years and yeah. I had a cousin graduating last year so I went up and my aunt my aunt came and I hadn't seen her in 15 years yeah and it was like we were never apart like right, because yeah. we were pretty close and it was like exactly the same yeah. like making the same jokes you go back into that and it's yeah. great but then sometimes and I won't un, un, sometimes you run into people and you're like oh you're 
you're a douchebag now. <laughs> I didn't yeah, what think happened? this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you always were. Yep, that's the, Who yeah. knows? There's just some people that are wired into you and you know it's yeah. always familiar. But you, you still, you don't want to push it. You just hang out for a few hours. You don't want to spend too many days. I don't you know. need many new people like intimately in my life. Yeah, yeah I don't need new friends. For I get sure. people in here for an hour. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is I, talk, I, usually, I usually have conversations with them that they like they've never had before or I've had, and like I feel like I know them, and I'm like, all right, great, take care. See you. See you off into the night. I've gotten my fill. Yeah. Intimacy you, achieved. Other than this and stand up, do you like? Go out to movies and stuff. Do you in, go see in movies? life? Yeah. yeah. What's your social life? Oh yeah, I, I'm dating a woman who's a painter, and yeah, we go to movies and we make food, and oh. you know, we go to art things. I just I was in New York. We you know went to Lincoln Center. You know, we huh? did saw jazz. Go. Uh, yeah, I do things, but I don't I don't run with the guys anymore. And I have a pack really. If I need to check in with that, I'll just go to the, put in for work at the comedy store. That's what's so great. About Hang it. out in the hallway yeah. for a few hours. You're like, I'm good for a little while. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I, what I what oddly though, I have not gone to alt venues almost at all in like a, a couple of years. Probably not since I had that thing with you. <laughs> I've not. I I did the first show at Meltdown for uh, a woman's show, a monthly show, and she just I don't know. She wanted me to do it, so I went and did it. I don't think I've been there since I walked out. Really. Uh, that night uh, on your show. Well, we stopped doing that show. Yeah, we stopped I, Oh, I was going to ask you if I could. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I've drifted from that because I was always, I think there they was They love a, you. Do they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I somehow do. decided that they didn't at some point. No, but, uh, they just can't show emotions as, as oh. easily. I they, think that's part they of it. Wanted, they showed they love you by offering you a part on their TV show. Uh-huh. That's how they. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I don't know. I just like if I need to work out yeah, I tend to go to the store and just work out, which is great. Because I do think the alt shows are more like hangs. Like it's supposed to be like a cool hang more than it is like business. Although the store like, and those places are a hang too. People they're definitely out. a hang. And That's like true. I think it, what what's happened is I've come sort of full circle on the fact that like I think when I first got to LA, I needed to do the alt shows. I needed to do any show. And I like that there was this whole world of new comedy fans coming up. But then I did start to feel like um, – like I, I, I didn't trust it as much as I just trusted the dirty old shitholes. Like the dirty, That's interesting. Like the, like there was something about the audience that was sort of homogenized, and and also their expectations were acute, and and it was a little. Everyone seemed the same. Whereas you go to the comedy stores, like you don't know what you're walking into. Oh, see, that's really interesting. So it almost seems like the alt rooms became less of a challenge for you, maybe. Yeah, well, they they yeah. were, and but I wanted to be part of it. Yeah. But you still you go to the comedy store, and you can fucking be handed your ass. Yeah, you have yeah. to win them over. Whereas <laughs> you got to do the rooms, job. Yes, yes, yeah. that makes sense. That <laughs> actually makes a lot of sense. I totally have that where I'll like try out stuff at UCB and it'll really kill. And even before I'll be at, you know, I I saw you at the store. I try and go a few times and you get there and you're like oh I have all this material and you look down and even before you perform it you're like this isn't gonna fly yeah, it's, here it's just got no ending you feel <laughs> that it's, no it's not gonna land yeah <laughs> yeah you just saying this doesn't have an ending is not gonna be the laugh that you want right in, in an alt room you could get away <laughs> yeah, <with> it. <laughs> totally <laughs> well I hope the thing's a big hit and you, you did a great job and I love the movie and it's good to see you and I'm happy for your success it's good oh to thank see you, you too. Mark yeah I'm and uh, what else too. I'm what excited you? for Glow I'm really excited oh yeah that's, I, mean, I am too I have no like I it was so interesting because I just took an acting gig because I wanted to try it and uh, and now it seems like it's like wow it seems like it's going to be a big deal yeah <laughs> I mean Glow itself was like that. I loved watching that on Saturday mornings like the when that I knew that TV show was coming I was like I cannot wait to watch this well, it was really good. exciting on a lot of levels to do it, you, you know, because I, I, none of it was really on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. 
and I just come out of four seasons of my show and it was just sort of I'm just play this guy and you get to see all these women do this work like they really became wrestlers yeah. and it was like in my mind it's like I'm just here to facilitate their show beautiful yeah so much easier yeah so let me ask you this so you 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 hadn't really done any real acting right until your show right right did you take classes what'd you do I, you know, I knew enough about myself to know that I was okay on screen and that, like, I, I could handle it. But I knew that I was going to eat it for a season. Like, I knew that there was no way around not being stiff or, or a little stilted because I'd never been in that environment or working on TV like that. So I just sort of accepted that I'll take the hit and I'll figure it out. So I didn't take classes. But like as I've talked to people in here, like Martin Landau and stuff, they're like, if I get another season of Glow, which that character was different than me, but it was in my wheelhouse. I'm not going to take anything outside of my. We have you, to like really challenge your acting ability. Well, like I'm not going to learn an accent. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to. Like I can, I can be present and I can listen and I can do it. But there are other nuances. Like if I get another season of Glow, I'd like to focus on, you know, going deeper with the guy. But I, I think I can, you know, I do all right. But no, I never took lessons. It was just sort of learning how to be comfortable, I guess. And the thing is, like, and I think you figured it out. I don't know when, but, you know, there is a, a sort of like when you enter scene, when the cameras are rolling, there's a, you know, you feel like it, to find the room to make choices and be funny and take pauses, it, it takes a little while. Yeah. Right. You know, like where you're like, I'm okay here. And like, you know, let's let that sit for a second and you know, do that. But not be thinking that. Right, exactly. Yeah. I always have, when I was first starting doing it, I would be in a scene and I would be like, what should I do with my hands? And right. then oh. I'm fucked. Yeah, right. It's the worst. <laughs> then you're fucked. Yeah, like, what do I do with my hands normally? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then it, even that doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. And then all you're thinking about is your hands. Then you're fucked. Then yeah. it's and over. And then you tear your eyes out. But <laughs> I was talking to Ray about this uh Yes, uh, just a couple of days ago, or yes, I don't know. But I was like, because he really is such a great actor, I think, and he's um, he you know he's got another show coming out now. So I was like, did you ever take any classes or anything? And he he never did. Like, yeah. he did like before the first season of his show, and it just hasn't since then. Yeah, I remember. Like, there was a woman we all worked with in New York. Right, she passed away. Right. Oh, did she? Oh, maybe it was a he had a guy, and then he had the woman. Yeah. What was her name? Caroline Ray used to use her. They'd oh, all, all use the comedians it. went to her, right, for wow. to to prepare for auditions and stuff. You know, Alice, Alice was her name. I there's think. a lady like that now that like I go to that Ron Funches goes to. Oh really? Or Lester, out here? Yeah, Kurt goes to her. Oh yeah. really? Yeah. Just to get you like a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's good because she knows how to work it with, with comics, so it's not like all the shit that we would think is lame. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we've already they know that we've already got this skill. Like we can be in front of people, we can do you know, we can act because we do an act. Yes. Right. So there's not a lot of that. Being comfortable know. on camera, you don't have to work through that stuff. Right. It's like the toolbox of like how to actually like access stuff. It's just weird. It's we. I can't. I like. I'm watching myself and glow. I'm a little sort of like. Like, I can't, like, I don't want to talk about how I feel about how I did because I'll let other people experience it. But, like, in my mind, like, I, I if we do another season, I, I'm going to challenge myself a little bit in, in, in ways that people might not even notice but me. No, but you'll That's notice cool. it. When, when, when you watch your, you can say it. Like, were you like, oh, I did a good job on Glow? Or were you like... No, there was definitely scenes where I did a good job, but there was moments where I'm like... Like, but then you sort of like, is it the cutting? Is it, you, you know, like, sure. because that, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a, you know, it wasn't bad, <laughs> but like I, I get right back to where I was and I'm like, what am I thinking right then? There was one, one, like, like maybe 10 seconds on camera 
where they kind of come in on me and I'm like, you know, I knew that was what was going to happen. Like I knew what was supposed to happen there, but I wasn't thinking about the right thing. Yeah. Now, is anyone else going to notice that? I don't know. Hmm. Well, that's the thing. I can sometimes watch myself and I can remember like, all right, this is how I felt that day. Right. And I could see that when I see myself. Right. I could see myself knowing not what, what not to do with my hands. But you, but you're the only one who knows that because you were in your body. But the thing is, is a lot of times we do stand up and we're fucked up in our minds you know, but we're up there doing it. I know. And, and you can't you, tell. No, you can't. No one knows. I have this thing sometimes where, like, I'll be, like, riffing or something, or there'll be a scene where it's an improv scene. Yeah. And then I'll watch it uh, in the two shot or whatever, and I'll be like, it took me so long to figure out what to say next. And then I watch it, and you're like, oh, it doesn't feel like that. No. Yeah. And also, like, you know, you got to leave that space. Like, there's a, the, like, w- with me, like I do that, I just do I do that series with Swanberg, with Joe Swanberg, uh-huh. uh, the Easy, you know, where mm-hmm. every year it's a, he's going to revisit these characters, and I just shot another one, and that's all improvised. Like it's very loosely outlined, so you're just you're just in it, and you give me that freedom, I'm just going to like, you know, just you know, and 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 from doing my show, you know that you don't have to do, you know, just you know, just relax, yeah, take a pause. You know, don't, you know, it's not, that's not how people talk. But sadly, it is sort of the way I talk. Like, I use my <laughs> hands a lot. And I, you know, like, if you, like, me being myself on camera, you'd think, like, why does he keep using his hands like that? But you're like, literally doing it right now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I see pictures of my hand out like this. And I do this almost every conversation I have in here. What am I doing? I don't know. But I'm doing it. Yeah. It's how it's the I way I am. Talk. I uh, the thing I noticed was because we edited a lot of our movie too, so we watched a bunch of takes of Ugh. everybody, and I watched a lot of takes of myself. And the big lesson I learned was like sometimes just say the fucking line. Yeah, you don't oh, gotta pour do, out do it yeah. anything a little on, on it. Doing a just, lot of zhuzh, even if you're supposed to be sad or whatever. Yeah, just say it because like when you're actually sad in real life, you say stuff. You know you're sad, you feel sad, but the line doesn't have to come out as sounding right. sad. Right. Yeah. You're like, make oh. this you, know, you don't have to have a big wind-up for the pitch. <laughs> just, you know, just fucking say it. Well, good. See, we're all learning. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So that worked out. We're all good. The movie's good. The big sick. Go see it. Uh, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to play guitar. It's just like it's not plugged in. It's not set up. I know it's heartbreaking to a lot of you. Do I want to play? I don't even know if I have one that's good strings out here. Hold on. Hold on. I'm plugging it straight in to the dirty old man, the 58 Fender Deluxe, and the guitar, the one that I have been keeping from you. The best guitar I've ever played in my life, and I've been cagey about it, not sharing about it, is a Gibson uh, 56 reissue of a 56 Deluxe Gold Top with P90s, for those of you who give a shit. That's what this is. That's what this sound is. And uh, I had to go back in the house to get my tuner, because I used to have two, but Jay Maskus stole my tuner. And if I ever get together with some people to play, which is the plan this summer, I want to play with some people. I need a combo. I'm looking for a combo out here in Highland Park. I need guys that are good, guys that are better than me. I'll rent the space with no no objective other than to uh, to play 
We'll pick some songs. We'll play them. I don't know how to play with other people really that well because I never have. But I'm reaching out to uh, professional musicians to play for nothing with me for fun. <laughs> how can you? How do? You, how could you not want to do that? loud look at those levels how about now boomer lives is that better 